Okay, Governor. Yes, sir. Um, first of all, thank you for taking the time to. Well, thanks to thanks for coming by here. Absolutely, thanks for inviting me into your home. Um, you made some big announcements this week with um, diversity and inclusion, and uh, among them is bringing on a cabinet level equity director. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what that actually is? Sure. It is a person with the authority uh, equal to everyone else on the cabinet. That's a prerequisite for uh, this type of position. I think to our knowledge, there's only one other state in the country that has someone at, at this uh, level with the kind of authority that this individual will have. And by design, it's their job to make sure every agency, large or small, is raising their game and meeting our standards for, in terms of equity, the programs that they administer, um, in terms of inclusion, not just inside that agency, but for the people that they serve. Um, and then that obviously, those two, equity plus inclusion, equals a lot more opportunity for people. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're all here for, is to make sure that what we're doing, the things that are working, we want to do more of it. The things that aren't working, we'll do less of. But we want to make sure it connects with the people that are out there looking to skill up in their lives or, or right a certain situation. And you just hear about all the examples of people who have transformed their lives, whether um, from one extreme to another, whether they're hungry, homeless, incarcerated, have a college degree and need to pursue a different career, you know, no matter what stage in life young, elder, um, we know there are proven programs out there. Now what we have to charge ourselves and hold ourselves accountable for and why this one person is um, reporting directly to me um, is we want to make sure that that uh, importance is always on you know, top of mind mm -hmm. with every agency. So they're going to go in and evaluate how are we doing in terms of training, how are we doing in terms of hiring, how are we doing in terms of connecting, how are we doing in terms of awareness in um, minority communities to make sure that they're connected with the help that they not only need but is there. Mm -hmm. And then if there are areas, shortcomings that we just have um, by no fault of their own, but glossed over or, or walked by or missed, um, we're going to start doing those things too. So being transparent about where we are, that's the other important thing about this job and that kind of the complement of having the person in that position and then being very transparent and, and measuring what we're doing, putting out the what we are measuring, um, and then sharing that with the public, with the world. That, that data portal and transparency and the, pers the person in authority, that that's what they do 24-7. Wake up every day, eat, sleep, and breathe it. And, you know, we've, we've got personnel folks in all the agencies that are doing this as a, I call it a collateral duty. This is a central duty. Mm -hmm. This is a central focus. And they're there to help people raise their game. Now, that person, what, what kind of person yeah. Still good. Um, what kind of a person are you looking for in that job? And will that person 
be of a diverse back, black, background being black or brown? Uh, yes, uh, they, will, they will be a uh, honest, credible, humble, hungry individual uh, that seeks to help people. And, and I would suspect that would be, have some um, uh, expertise and experience in something similar to this post, meaning the ability to connect, um, the interest in helping people. One thing that I have, uh, one, one thing that's good that's come out of this pandemic, kind of a silver lining, mm -hmm. if you will, I'm always looking for the, I'm an optimistic person by nature, um, is our state leaders, agency leaders, have been very accessible and have shown, displayed their head and heart for this type of service. Um, and that team chemistry and that expertise is serving the public well. Now, having said that, we need someone similar that has that background, um, that can connect and, and that's hungry to make uh, gain as fast as humanly possible. We've got our whole administration is bought in. Mm -hmm. They were already there. This was not a, oh no, here comes the governor. He's going to start to, this was bring it on. Let's do this. I mean, we had a lot of heart-to-heart -heart conversations uh, within the family, so to speak, mm -hmm. just hearing from each other, just open up and tell me um, where the barriers are. What are the hurdles? What's keeping you held back? What, what have you always wanted to do, but you're busy you know, over here. And so this was a refreshing bit of good news. And um, I had the task force physically separated, uh, spaced, uh, when I delivered the, the remarks there with me because they've all been a huge central part. They put in a ton of work over these past few weeks as well, past couple months actually. Um, and, you know, like I said, one conversation led to the next for me, same, same for them as well. Um, and yet Fred Payne's running the state of Indiana's Department of Workforce Development and um, Terry Stigman's running DCF, you know, the Department of Child Services. And so they've got their day job and this is added onto this and they're just reaching out, trying to make sure they're not overlooking anything as we set sail uh, and really take this hopefully to the next level. Uh, does that uh, l examining of agency, does that include the uh, Department of Corrections and prison system? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Passion of mine, um, and I would love to, if, if, if you would ever like, a couple things. One, I would like to have either Rob Carter, the director, um, or uh, Dr. Doss, Kristen Doss, the chief medical officer of DOC, come on sometime Absolutely. and get into the weeds about what's really going on. Or Dr. Bosch for that matter at Health, mm -hmm. or Dr. Sullivan at FSSA, or Fred Payne, or you know. Mm -hmm. But but they have a, a lot of pride into programs that have been innovative and that are working. So they're wanting to get this word out. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the last mile, I mean this is 
Like you got to get into the facilities to see how this really works. Mm -hmm. And when you see people who have helped us um, with their expertise and their, quite frankly, their, their financial resources, uh, put these programs into our prison facilities, it's no wonder why um, we're now in five facilities, not one. Because it's working. And people are, you know, the last mile program as just one example, teaching people, um, giving them IT skills, mm -hmm. coding, et cetera, um, in high demand. And when I'm, I, I mean, I first, this is the first time I ever met in person MC Hammer, but and have <laughs> since a couple times. But mm -hmm. the difference is he's just not lending his name or writing a check. He's going in mm -hmm. and he is connecting with people. Mm -hmm. And when you see that person get those skills inside and then, and then carry on their life, they have course corrected their life. Mm -hmm. Like it was time well spent, if I may. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's the example of, yes, this person is going to go into the Department of Corrections. Yes, this person is going to go into INDOT. And what, when you start to peel back the onion, you know, you say, okay, um, we need to hire more minorities at NDOT. We got an awful lot of white male engineers. We just do. Mm -hmm. Probably 49 other states have the same issue. Mm -hmm. So how do we address that? Because like, I always I say I feel like a three-year-old sometimes. I'm always asking why, mm -hmm. why, why? Mm -hmm. Like, what do we, okay, so how do we solve that? How do we solve that? How do we solve that? And it's, okay, we have to recruit more minorities uh, into um, STEM subjects at a very early age and then on to college and engineering degrees and that's how you get more people or judges or you just name it but you can't just that's why i talked about we got to get and it was burned into my brain mm -hmm. you got to get at the root causes you can't just address the symptoms you got to deal with the symptoms for mm -hmm. sure but if you want to change that back to the you know when, when you learn to fish um there's, there's a countless long list of items of good that comes out of being able to determine your own destiny. But, you, but we have to make those investments at different stages in someone's life. Well, so in every agency, DOC included. Well, let me ask you, you know, you just talked about how you're always asking why. Yeah. Um, and this week you said the phrase, hmm. Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, whether it be a public figure or a corporation, people, that's a difficult phrase for some people to, to say. I just don't understand why. It, you know, folks will beat around, you know, we, yeah. you know, yeah. they will come up with some other statement, but you said yeah. the phrase. Yeah. Well, let's just be honest. Um, some folks are defensive. Mm -hmm. And I am, I am a big believer in the ideals of this nation. And it is unique in the sense that we have flaws and warts in our history. We have flaws today. But who steps forward to say, let's right those wrongs and here's how. And, and to make those words that were written in our founding documents true, we've had to make change along the way. But for anyone that believes in our founding documents, then you can say Black Lives Matter and mean it full stop. 
And if you, if you can't believe that, then you don't believe in the founding principles of this nation. Not that we were there at the very outset mm -hmm. in action, but we are now. Like that is the law of the land. It happens to be what's morally right too, mm -hmm. but that's a whole separate conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to have that. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, if it just takes saying something that you believe, well, and I think I think it's a it seems to be it's a two part thing. That yeah. one, if there's a problem, the first step to addressing that problem is admitting there's a problem. Yep. So you've done that, and yep. people are acknowledging, whoa, that yep. didn't he he did that. Yep. So now the second part is okay. Yep. How do we take the words into action? Yep. The follow through. Yes. Um, part of that is. You, you've done a lot of listening, it sounds like, over the past couple of months. Yeah. Um, body cameras coming yeah. to yeah. state police. That's been something that people, yeah. protesters, have been asking for You know, through yeah. what's happened here in Indianapolis to George Floyd. How did you come to that? That was something I thought we could do um, sooner rather than later because there's been a lot of discussion internally about cameras whether dashboard or body, et cetera. The, the one thing that became um, crystal clear in my mind throughout all the discussions is this not only helps um, in the presentation of evidence after the fact, mm -hmm. but this, as maybe as important, helps in training. So when you're training and you can review what you did mm -hmm. and you see you did something wrong, mm -hmm. then you can correct that. And look, with the technology the way it is uh, and improving every day, um, this just seemed like something that would and could, would and could be embraced by both sides, mm -hmm. understanding that this can help us train, this can help us um, show what happened from this perspective, mm -hmm. because there are other eyewitnesses um, that are going to share their perspective as well. Mm -hmm. And so, look, I'm I'm very proud of the training that occurs at um, ILEA, and I'm very proud of our state troopers. They go, they like I said, they wake up every day. They go into um, situations that I sure as heck wouldn't feel qualified to. Mm -hmm. um, now, and does that does that count DNR as you know we've had an sure. issue with that this year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, body cameras would have been helpful. So are they included in that? Uh, we we talked about state troopers, but we can we can look into all law enforcement. And by the way, they you know that without getting too into the weeds, I mm -hmm. can. But um, they conducted that was a little bit that was interesting in that they conducted an investigation. Mm -hmm. um, per proper protocol, mm -hmm. there were some who immediately claimed for them to be suspended, mm -hmm. even though they were in direct communication with a county prosecutor who mm -hmm. was um, conducting ultimately the review. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was a case where the conservation officers did their job by the letter of the law while some came in and said, hey, let's short circuit the process and mm -hmm. put those folks on. Mm -hmm. And that's that reactionary, uh, that's not getting all the facts. Mm -hmm. They were they were compiling all the facts, um, and and so I'm again I said early on because I reviewed mm -hmm. their actions, 
and what they were doing and the communication that they were in with the county prosecutor, which again takes the case. Um, and they did they did everything by the letter of the law. So, in other changes with uh, law enforcement, what are your thoughts on chokeholds and no knock warrants? It's yeah. already been that's gone away for IMPD. What yeah. would it look like at the state level? Yeah, uh, and that there's a long list of items that will be reviewed mm -hmm. by a third party. We wanted to have a third party, someone come in with the expertise, kind of like we did with the um, when the stage collapsed out yeah. at the state fair years ago. Mm -hmm. We brought in someone and said, "Let's just really scratch, get at this." Mm -hmm. Someone from not here uh, with the expertise that has done this before. That that again, not only Again, I don't want to sound defensive about this. They're going to be able to validate all the um, positive programs and, and, and good things about the way we train. Mm -hmm. And then I hope they'll be able to um, give us some recommendations about how to modernize. Mm -hmm. That's just good. Mm -hmm. I mean, every year I do that with agencies. Um, in this area of expertise, we're going to look at all use of force policies. All of them. Oh, well, I would ask them to look at all of mm -hmm. them. And the superintendent of state police, Doug Carter, will ask them to look at all of them. So this won't be you saying this is a change. This is someone else saying, here's a look. Here's what here's, we think. Here's recommendations that we think you should do. Here's what's happened around the country. Here's some successful programs, including all use of force policies, mm -hmm. not just one-offs. Mm -hmm. um, and and then they'll make those recommendations. And then and you know and I I kind of turned over some of my cards and I said and I'd like to work with the legislature to put a some civilian representation on mm -hmm. ILEA. Mm -hmm. So there'll be some things that also need to be discussed: sentencing reform, mm -hmm. exorbitant fees. I mentioned a couple of those, but there are others that I didn't mention just for brevity's mm -hmm. sake. Um, that the judiciary is also very interested about. I sat right here with mm -hmm. the. Um, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, and, mm -hmm. and she shared about some things that she wanted to look at come January 2 with the legislative branch. And so um, legislators and all of their colleagues need to be having these discussions right now, mm -hmm. as I am with folks. Mm -hmm. We share the same constituents. They're our constituents. Uh, we serve them. And those conversations need to be occurring on both sides of the aisle, in both chambers, right now so that when we get to January or whenever they decide to meet, mm -hmm. um, I hope it's January, but it may be, uh, it's their time, not mine. Um, I hope we're ready to get to work that all this time isn't just uh, rhetorical. And, and my uh, plan will have been put into motion mm -hmm. And all those areas that I talked about, they said we're going to be transparent in these areas. Um, we'll be able to come January if I'm there. Don't mm -hmm. want to be presumptuous, but mm -hmm. come January, we'll be able to say, and here's the progress that we made. And here's what the data portal looks like. Here's what we're tracking. Here's where you plug in. And, and so you would you would have you would start then, or you would have something to start with then. No, we're we're started. We've already started. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's underway. Okay. But we would be able to say. We weren't just um, talking. Mm -hmm. It's not rhetorical. We're we're doing. Okay. And and hopefully, just like we do with right now with next level jobs, mm -hmm. that program, thousands of people have benefited from that. How do we get more to benefit from that? Mm -hmm. um, just like when we're investing in 
half a million dollars into the Indiana Black Expo around the whole state of Indiana to get the word out on some of these programs. How did that, how did that turn out? Mm -hmm. And uh, in terms of health and housing and uh, economic empowerment and workforce development. So across the board, and that's gonna be a good um, proof positive about, example of what we're doing right now. The same should be true in the legislative branch so that they're really, because I talk to folks in the, in the legislative branch all over the state of Indiana, mm -hmm. um, and they're all interested in this. They're all thinking about this. They're all working on this. They all have different areas of expertise. Um, and so I've encouraged them to make sure that they're working with each other, mm -hmm. that they're not just trying to short circuit the process and um, because they all have um, valid interests and concerns about how we go forward. And, and they represent constituents. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to leave, you don't want to leave anybody behind. Right. And that's the process. Now a moment ago you mentioned sentencing reform. Could yeah. that include a discussion at least on marijuana, which seems to yeah. disproportionately put black people in jail? The answer is yes. Um, and the and I'm looking forward to the answer is yes first and foremost because it can include A to Z mm -hmm. um, and uh, there are folks in the judiciary that are very not just aware but interested in that as well mm -hmm. and so I would not only expect that mm -hmm. Well, I would more than um, say it could, I would say I would expect that to be part of the, conver the, the larger conversation to be included. So we're 70 some odd days away from election day. Oh, you're counting that. <laughs> I got to count to someone. Someone told me the number yesterday, actually. <laughs> it's 70 something. Well, I believe you. Every day feels the same to me these past six months. So we've got to count down to something. Groundhog day. Um, your opponent, Mr. Woody Myers, uh, has said, hey, the governor has had four years to do this. Why is he doing it now? He, in fact, he called uh, this disingenuous, says he'll go a step further uh, on a number of things that you've talked about, including ban chokeholds and decriminalize marijuana. But I guess the question to you is, why now? Well, we're not starting now. If, if anyone would suggest that we're starting now, they've missed uh, three and a half years of progress. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would recommend folks talk to the, the very people, the very lives and livelihoods represented by um, the transformations that have occurred mm -hmm. uh, because people were stepping up and taking part in some of our programs that are changing lives for the better. Um, but there's nothing, we didn't start anything now. I've heard a lot of people say that the day after we had the downtown uh, protest that turned into riots early June, late May, yeah. that when you came on TV that Monday, mm. there was something different about you. Mm. Um, or if it wasn't something different about you, we saw something different in yeah. you, yeah. a frustration or an awareness yep. to what was going on. Yeah. Was there something that happened in Indianapolis or just the overall nation that we saw you feel that, okay, we have to do something. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it became a little more personal just because I was seeing it. Um, I was seeing it all over the nation. Mm -hmm. And and I don't want anyone to live in fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, dealing with this virus, COVID on one hand, and all the uncertainty and anxiety that that uh, creates, coupled with a fear of your own personal safety, mm -hmm. coupled with, uh, coupled with this hope that something can be different about now. Um, and then, you know, I reached out to some people close to me that I've been very uh, personally close to for my whole life. Mm -hmm. I've had a much different experience. I've had a very diverse group of friends in my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And um, never before were these concerns shared or unloaded. And we went through life together. Like, mm -hmm. we went through, mm -hmm. we shared what was on our hearts and minds with one another. But this was never a topic that was discussed. Mm -hmm. And when I started to learn about how prevalent it was, mm -hmm. not one-offs, mm -hmm. but how prevalent, and um, then I thought, okay, you know, it's, we can be of help here. Mm -hmm. And this this may not have seemed to have fit within economic development or workforce development or, or uh, wellness, but it does. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is directly or indirectly related to all three of those. Mm -hmm. And so how do we bridge that gap? How do we start to connect ourselves with the uh, resources and expertise that we have? We have real actual practicing physicians right now dealing with these issues mm -hmm. every day and have for the last three and a half years, half for longer than that. And there's a new heightened awareness there too that every single minute of the day matters and what are we doing to make sure that we're able to uh, amplify our message to reach more people where they are right now, especially during this time where COVID-19 came in and whacked a lot of people mm -hmm. and put them on the sidelines. Uh, we were, I mean, not to sound like a highlight reel, but we were on a roll. I mean, we were, when you look at the people that were skilling up mm -hmm. and the dollars that we were putting into these programs, it was working. Mm -hmm. And we could literally say, hey, that's why we had record low unemployment. That's why we had record high revenue and reserves and you know just we tripled our foreign direct investment in the state of Indiana in three years like you just don't do that unless that's real mm -hmm. and then that translates into now can we do uh, a two-on-one service that connects people with the help they need for for mental duress and, and more and 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 then when COVID-19 came Everything seemed to the, the, the system was shocked, mm -hmm. including every single person. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was just a convergence of issues and, and uh, just self-awareness that we can all do more. So time to step I, up. 
I don't know if you were home that particular day, but I have followed protesters right across the street, standing on your neighbor's lawn. Yep. Uh, and I know you've talked to a lot of local folks and the folks from around the state. Did the protest peaceful? Mm-hmm. Um, did that help um, open open your eyes and 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 give you that perspective that wow this this is uh, this is still going on? Um, there were some individuals that were quite eloquent that night that I heard, mm-hmm. uh, and a couple of days later. My wife and I both weren't here mm-hmm. when that happened, mm-hmm. um, but we saw uh, news accounts, mm-hmm. read, and then it was my wife who said, you know, we ought to hear from some of them personally. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of days later, we, we, did a, we invited one of the more eloquent leaders that night. Mm-hmm. Um, in mm-hmm. and sat right there and mm-hmm. I sat right there and um, my wife sat right here and we had a very honest open conversation mm-hmm. and it underscored what we've talked about and what Martin Luther King Dr. Martin Luther King has talked about and that's the urgency of now and and you know he said I don't want my four-year-old son to be protesting or marching or demonstrating on issues when he's 32, mm-hmm. that I'm doing right here today. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, what is, what is your goal in all this? I said, I'm looking over your shoulder. I, I, I was sitting right there looking over his shoulder, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at these pictures of prime ministers. And I said, the conversation that we have right here today could be more important than any conversation I had with any of those prime ministers. Mm-hmm. And the long-term good that we can have together could be more profound and impactful than any of those conversations. Mm-hmm. So what is your, I get asked this question all the time, what is your goal in all this? What's your mission? What's your purpose? And his answer was, I want to own property and create my own generational wealth. And I said, we can do some good together. This is what America's about. Let's get to work. I, you know, mm-hmm. I want to work on that. Mm-hmm. Because, by the way, the more that occurs, not only the stronger does that person get and that family get and the community get, the state gets. Like, it's a win, 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 win. Mm-hmm. And, and it just creates, success creates more success. And so when, when, when we can see that foundation, mm-hmm. now how do we build on that as a state? How do we help? Mm-hmm. And then sooner or later, you know, he, he has quite this entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. And sooner or later, it's like, okay, government, get out of my way now. I'll, I'm, here's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And, but but you got to get to that point. And we got to do that on a scale unlike ever before, especially since COVID-19 mm-hmm. has entered the, onto the stage. Now, exactly to what he says, um, you combine his aspirations and his dreams yep. with COVID-19 yep. that has knocked now everybody off of their feet. Yep. It's disproportionately attacked the black community. I've, yep. I've talked to lots of businesses, lot, as you have, mm-hmm. um, both uh, white-owned and minority-owned. And the minority-owned businesses tell me, you know, we're trying to um, 
compete and we're trying to stay alive, but we're 400 years behind mm. um, someone who's my same age in their business where, where if they started a family yep. 400 years ago, our families were in very different places. So that generational Point. wealth Point. that he talked about, Point taken. We, most of us don't have it. You know, my yep. great grand, my great great grands would have been slaves or sons of slaves, yep. sons and daughters yep. of slaves. Yep. So what? I guess part of it is folks don't realize that, and it sounds like you've yep. you've got that. What can we do about that? That's right, and that's that's where it's got to be. We're judged on our words and actions, and. And so the, that's the question that I say, what are we doing, mm -hmm. doing? Uh, what are our actions? What are our investments? What are our, what are the programs? And it's not good enough just to have this program on the mantle or shelf mm -hmm. to be admired. Um, it's how is it affecting? And so you, you got to get um, somewhat um, hyperactive about when you when you have a uh, $30 million set aside through CARES Act dollars for businesses and you say, okay, we're going to take $5 million of that and make it for only minority-owned businesses, now let's make sure that minority-owned businesses are getting this mm -hmm. so that we can um, play catch-up, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the 400 years. I mean, okay, so let's catch up. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, so it's not an example of who I mentioned, um, Madam C.J. Walker, mm -hmm. who persevered, who excelled, who succeeded, probably despite the environment. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a well, it's not the exception; it's the rule mm -hmm. because the rules now apply to all, and there's access to. And this is why I I did talk to businesses and and appeal to the private sector. Because they're a, they, like I said, they play an outsized role in our state's future and success. And thankfully, they're willing to do even more now. They've stepped forward and contacted us and said, thank you for um, being very transparent. Mm -hmm. um, not just talk, but holding yourselves accountable and, and asking us to come in and, and help. Because when you talk about economic empowerment, a lot of this has to do with the private sector as well, or opportunity zones. Mm -hmm. Okay, the government came in, we have 156 different opportunity zones around the state of Indiana, encouraging people to make in private sector to make investment into some of the hardest zip codes in the state. Mm -hmm. So now, how are we making sure that happens? Lending programs, access to capital at banks, Let's see what all the programs are in the private sector so that folks actually have financial literacy. You're starting to see that happen a lot more. The IEDC doing financial consulting and business plan development and modernizing businesses. Those programs are there and are accessible. Now, we've got to take the next step. We can't just announce something on paper and then think that that's going to help someone catch up from, as you said, four centuries of trailing mm -hmm. and um, again as the eternal optimist um, because we have the people uh, because we have the financial resources to help those people and because we have a really innovative innovative 
courageous team of uh, leaders at the agency level wanting to uh, or encouraging upward mobility for all, I, I am optimistic about the future, quite frankly. So as I was literally you probably got to get to the state. Yep, I do. So as I close, Governor, yeah. um, one and a half questions. Um, it sounds to me First like first time I ever heard that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's uh, honesty right there. It sounds uh, like everything is on the table to be reviewed at sure. this point. Yep. And as we talk about the public sector and the private sector, but what's happening at the state house, could there be anything? Could you? discussions about reviewing laws that protect people who don't work at the state level, who work for a, uh, just a business when we talk about discrimination against you know, their, their hair or the way they look, where in some states you cannot fire someone because of their hair. Yeah. Is that something that could even be put on the table so that branches out of state agencies? Well, sure. And, and again, that's, that's the way our, our process rightly works. There are there are, um, that's what I said earlier on, every issue under the sun seems to come before the General Assembly every year, whether it's a short or long session. This session will be um, a bit more focused because of the, the uh, prominence of the budget being part of the um, predominant discussion will revolve around the budget, the budget, the budget, mm -hmm. because we're in a different place than we were a year ago. Um, but certainly every uh, issue will be brought forward, and that's the right thing because, again, we're a fairly diverse state. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think, eh, it's Indiana, it's a pretty homogenous state. It's a fairly diverse state, mm -hmm. ethnically, geographically, racially, um, and, and we want to make sure that um, those issues are discussed in the people's house. And then you got to build consensus around your opinion. And that's why I keep saying you can't short circuit mm -hmm. around the people. Mm -hmm. And that's why the work needs to occur, not just in me giving remarks or a press conference or sending out a piece of paper or saying, here's, here's my agenda. Mm -hmm. You got to work with your colleagues. I don't, I don't bat a thousand every legislative session either. I've got a pretty good average, but you know, I, I at first you don't succeed. Mm -hmm. I mean, you come, you come back on it and I'll be back on things that came up short. Um, pregnancy accommodations in the workplace. I, I didn't get that passed last session. Mm -hmm. I've told everybody I'm coming back. I need to be more persuasive. Hate crimes bill. Case in point, you talked about would it have been beneficial to have had body cams. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I rest my case. We needed a hate crimes bill. Took a while. Took, by the way, a Republican governor mm -hmm. and legislative leaders to actually get a bill that protects and applies to every single Hoosier here and has been used in cases now. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we weren't too late. Thankfully, we're still not on that short list mm -hmm. of deficient states. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's not just talking about something. It's actually getting it done. And then you've got to go do the hard work and convince the people who actually author and carry those bills to fruition where I get to hopefully sign them into law. 
Well, Governor, um, this is my half question for you. Uh, as we we have the foundation of what you envision and what you want to do. Yeah. And so, as you said, it's not going to be solved today, but we are looking into it. Um, with, with this audience that is now uh, all ears to this topic, can we get you to come back or I come back and meet you mm -hmm. at the end of the year and we do, we see where I we like are. It. I like it. And then next year, let's try to meet like uh, quarterly I and just it. see where we are on this topic. I would be, uh, that would be helpful to your followers and I mean listeners mm -hmm. and, and um, folks who view you on social media and et cetera. And I appreciate that. And I would just see your hand and raise you and take me up on my offer beyond me, but to have some of these leaders, um, including the new CEIOO on as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, to share what I say the good news and to um, along the way so it's not just how they're doing mm -hmm. you know uh, or, or quarterly but these folks take great pride in what they do and they could be doing things they could be doing a lot of other things but they're interested in serving and one thing that was shared with me in all my conversations is this is a journey. I use that word. This is a journey. Mm -hmm. And for someone who thinks that they can have a slogan or some two or three word response, uh, isn't being thoughtful about how you put together a program that has a chance for success. And so that's why I reached out to so many different people, many of which who had been on the sidelines and not included in the conversations. Because we've had a, a very narrow minded way of looking through this lens um, and it could just be legislatively you look at through a lens this has got to be about the people this has got to be street level and that's why we're we're reaching into the very people we serve to get their opinions and then we all come together and we have a much more fulsome or, or broad discussion and informed discussion including myself about real steps we can take together. All right. We'll put it on the calendar for next for the next coming months and we'll get the IDOC folks on hope maybe in the next in the next thirty days. Love to. We get a lot of calls about that we'll, actually. We'll make it happen. Thank you guys. Thank you.